Happy Easter Sunday to you. I trust that you're doing well and that you're ready for a powerful message as we continue on this theme of acceptance. We're talking about activating community that's authentic. And I believe that God really wants to minister to us today as I speak to you on the subject of self-acceptance. You see, central to Christ's work at Calvary is the fact that he accepted us. He accepted us. Father, we ask that you would come by your spirit and that you would teach us today, that you'd open our hearts, Lord, that we would learn more about you and about how to build authentic community. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Romans chapter 15, verse 7, the Bible says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. How did Christ accept me? I need to have that revelation. It goes on to say, in order to bring praise to God. You see, one of the main results of Christ's acceptance of me is my self-acceptance. When I have a revelation of the fact that he's accepted me, I begin to accept myself. And I believe that this is one of the major game changers when it comes to community building. I really do believe that. Self-acceptance is one of the pillars of self-esteem. It's actually one of the pillars of self-esteem. So when we talk about someone's self-esteem, we talk about a sense of self-efficacy, which is self-confidence in many ways. It's similar to self-confidence. We talk about a sense of self-respect, a sense of self-worth, a sense of self-acceptance. Very powerful. We also talk about a sense of significance, right? When we're talking about self um, esteem. But we're going to focus on self-acceptance. When I accept myself, when I accept how I'm wired, when I accept how God made me, it makes me more of a secure person to be around. And those are the type of people we are drawn to, if you think about it. Those are people who are safe to be around. So um, Nathaniel Brandon wrote in the six pillars of self-esteem, self-acceptance is my refusal to be in an adversarial relationship with myself. In other words, in other words, I'm literally saying, no, I'm not against myself. True self-acceptance means you leave self-hatred alone. Jesus loved me, so why should I hate myself? Okay. And if I've not truly accepted myself, I'll project rejection onto the people around me. I'll always adjust my view of the environment to match my inner world. If I hate myself, I will assume everyone hates me. If I hate myself, I will assume, oh, I'm not lovable. I'm not likable. So when you do something nice to me, I will reinterpret it to match my messy inner self. So I will say there's a catch to it. I'll say it's love with the hook. I'll say you're just using me, right? And we do this all the time and it actually hinders authentic community. So what ends up happening is I end up having this persecutory super ego where I believe the whole world is against me, yet it's actually me who's against myself. God is not against you. He's for you. So you can also be for yourself, in a sense. The refusal to regard any part of ourselves, our bodies, our emotions, our thoughts, our actions, our dreams as alien or not me. That's self-acceptance. That's self-acceptance. 
There are many people who are divided against themselves. So part of self-acceptance is embracing all aspects of yourself. If you are part of a community but have to keep suppressing parts of yourself that are very real, you will always be conflicted, won't you? You never truly feel like you belong if you have to pretend in order to belong. In Christ, I can come just as I am. In an authentic community, we must create that same climate of acceptance. Otherwise, you also end up continuously wondering whether you'll be accepted if you were truly known. If they knew the real me, would they really accept me? So let me just keep pretending. The only reason why I can accept myself as a Christian is because Christ has accepted me. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and we may find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, it's awesome that we can go to God and just run boldly into that throne of grace and find mercy. But I believe that in an authentic community, God wants us to create that same climate for people around us that we celebrate them, that we accept them, that we minister truth to them, but also great love and acceptance. I believe that it's so important to create this type of atmosphere as we build authentic community. So what does this look like? What does this look like? What does self-acceptance actually look like? See, if you're feeling angry about a particular thing, you're able to sit down and say, I actually felt really angry about that, right? Whether the anger was good, righteous anger or not, you're able to say it. You're able to say it. You're able to accept that this is where I'm at right now, right? It's not necessarily saying I'm perfect and how I am is the perfect way to be. But what you're doing is you're accepting that this is where I'm at and that God accepts me as I am and I'm a work in progress and God is a patient God, you see? If you can't do that, you'll always be projecting an ideal image of yourself, of something that you're actually not. And you'll live with this me-me conflict. You'll live with this internal conflict within yourself. And community cannot be built in such a climate. It's where you're able to say things like, I actually felt so insecure today. See, Jesus can minister to that because you're operating in truth. That's actually confession. That's actually confession, isn't it? But you see, what tends to happen is that as Christians, we don't associate with certain emotions. And so we end up detached from them. And that's a form of not fully accepting ourselves. Are you able to talk about all aspects of yourself without denial, without evasion, without any form of pseudo-spirituality? Are you able to talk about all aspects of yourself without denial, without evasion, without any form of pseudo-spirituality. So when you're counseling people, try to get them to that place of self-acceptance. I'm telling you now, this is the game changer. And part of self-acceptance is actually embracing truth. You see, it's where you get someone to reconcile the fact that they actually have this issue. They actually are grappling with this issue. They're not in denial. 
Some of the best people to coach are people who say, Paul, I've really been successful in my career, but I know that to go to my next level, I need the other stuff and I'm not good with the other stuff. Can you please help me? They're facing themselves. They're facing themselves. And I'm telling you right now, in an authentic community, we face ourselves, we face others, we face our work, and we are emotionally honest about these things. Now, self-acceptance is so powerful because you're accepting how God wired you and how God made you. And you're saying, you know what, I'm going to celebrate this. I'm going to celebrate this. And I'm going to stop trying to be that other person. For example, you might have felt like, why aren't I as pretty as her? I wish I was a little bit taller. Part of self-acceptance is embracing the fact that I am who I am and I am how I am. God made me like that and he loves it. God actually loves it. So I love it too. I love it too. What happens with self-acceptance is that you become at one with yourself. You also accept that you're a work in progress and you know that God is a patient God. Now, in order for us to get to a place of self-acceptance, there's some powerful steps that we have to go through. And that's what I want to really look at today. Some steps to self-acceptance. What do we do? Last week, we spoke quite a bit and quite extensively exposing rejection and roots of rejection and the fleshly patterns around rejection. And so now what I want to do this week is to give you some steps to self-acceptance, because that's where we want to go. I don't want to just be in a state of, oh, I'm healed from rejection. I want to actually go to a place of, I've embraced self-acceptance. Christ has accepted me, and we're celebrating that today because of what he did on the cross. He's fully accepted me. But what do I do to come to a place of internalizing his acceptance so it becomes my self-acceptance? The first thing to do is forgive those who have rejected you. Forgive those who have rejected you. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, in the NLT, it says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. So Jesus forgave. And I believe one of the things that made it easier for him to forgive was the fact that he could acknowledge that these people are operating in ignorance. They're thinking they're doing the right thing. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. A lot of the people who've rejected you didn't know what they were doing. In Colossians 3.13, it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Some people might have rejected me in this life, but guess what? I'm sure there are people out there who feel rejected by me, right? And so let me forgive others in the same way that I've been forgiven. And you know, it's interesting that that phrase, make allowance, okay? It's to bear, it's to bear with one another, okay? It's to endure, it's to have patience with. It also speaks of suffering with, okay? Bearing with someone, right? Being willing to suffer because of what they're doing. You see, people often have a tough stance on others in terms of forgiveness, yet they can forgive their child, they can forgive their sister many times. Why? Because we love those people. Ask God to expand your love to cover these other people too, okay? Because there are some people you love and there are some people you forgive, but just make sure that it doesn't extend only to those two or three people. 
but more people because there are more people that have hurt you. In Romans 5 verse 5, it says, the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts through His Spirit. One of the outcomes of having the Holy Spirit in our lives is that we have the love of God. Holy Spirit isn't just for power. Holy Spirit is also for love. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, you have the capacity to love. You know that many parents distance themselves from home because they feel inadequate. The guy feels he's not a good dad. Okay, Maybe he feels emasculated. And it wasn't always an intentional thing of, I'm, I'm abandoning my children. But the child still feels hurt and rejected. So the impact is there. But the point I'm making is to make it easier for you to forgive. Get into that person's world and ask yourself, what were they going through at that time? And it's not an excuse for their behavior. Of course, they should be taking responsibility. But I'm wanting you to know that there are many people who go through marital conflict. And because of that, they're avoiding their spouse. So they end up not being around that often, not because they don't like their child or love their child, but home becomes difficult. You see this happening a lot. Now, it's important to understand that for the most part, people don't do things to you, right? They don't do things to you. They do things for themselves. And I keep saying this because it helps us to break out of the victim mentality, you see, you will struggle to come to a place of self-acceptance if you have not released those that have rejected you. Because this means that you still carry rejection in your heart. This is so crucial. In Matthew 7 verses 1 to 3, it says, Do not judge or you will be judged. For with the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but fail to notice the beam in your own eye? And you know that word notice is to take note of or to perceive. I want to encourage you, release all judgments because these keep you in bondage. These keep you in bondage. To judge is to come to a choice or a decision which rejects or condemns someone, right? It's so important to understand that. So a judgment is actually a verdict based on how you have judged. And it's important for us to be proactive with regards to our stance towards those who might hurt us in future. You see, this is one of the keys to your healing. Do good to those who persecute you. Go all out and do good. Make a decision that, you know what? I know that there are people out there who are going to reject me in future. Rejection is part of life, but I'm going to make sure it bounces off me. I'm going to make sure I ask myself the question, what else could be true? Oh, they're going through a hard time. Oh, they're fighting for their position because they're actually insecure. Powerful prayer for us to pray is, help me, Lord, to demonstrate agape love today, even to those who reject me in any way. Help me, Lord, to demonstrate agape love today. I'm being proactive. Even to those who reject me in any way. Let me come with the opposite spirit. A lot of times people lash out in anger and it's often because they haven't visualized how they're going to be toward the people around them. We assume everyone out there loves us. No, they're people who are jealous of you. They're people who are going to reject you tomorrow. They're people who are going to reject you next week. But make a decision to forgive and to release them. Be so full of acceptance from Father God that their rejection bounces off you. The second step is cast out any evil spirit that has entered 
as a result of rejection wounds. I mentioned to you last week that there are stages to this, right? You start off with the wound of rejection, then it becomes a stronghold of rejection, and then you can attract spirits of rejection. So right now I can pray this prayer over you. In the name of Jesus, I address the spirit of rejection in my brother's life, in my sister's life. I address the spirit of inherited rejection. I address fear of rejection. I address self-rejection and perceived rejection. And I cast you out, you lying spirit, you spirit that keeps lying to my brother, lying to my sister, saying that they are not loved, that they are not needed. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you from their lives and I command you to leave them now. Your legal right to operate in their lives has been taken away by the blood of Jesus and you must leave now. They're accepted in the beloved. They will hear the voice of God. They'll hear the truth about themselves. Accuser of the brethren. You have no hold on them anymore. Stop it in the name of Jesus. You spirit of rejection, I expel you now in the name of Jesus and I forbid you to ever operate in their lives again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You see, what we do is we deal with the spirit of rejection, but you cannot separate deliverance from discipleship. So it's so important to go through all the steps, not just this one. The third step is invite God to heal your wounds. Invite God to heal your wounds. You see, you can't rebuke a wound, can you? A wound has to be healed. And there are different ways of healing wounds. And you know, uh, if you have an injury, it can be bandaged up. But very often, emotional wounds are more subtle. So you see, after forgiving others, just do the following. This, This is how the healing process takes place. Renounce any judgments that you have made against those who have hurt you. What are the judgments you've made against them? Renounce them. Where I've said that person will never amount to anything. Where I've wished ill on them. Right? I renounce that in Jesus' name. Okay? Second thing to do is renounce any inner vows that you've made. Maybe you've been hurt by men and you're a lady. And you've made an inner vow like, I'll never get married. I don't need a man in my life. That inner vow is now controlling you because when Mr. Right comes along, you find yourself conflicted because of that inner vow you've made. An inner vow is something you declare over yourself and that ends up controlling you. It's like a prophecy over yourself. Maybe you've said things like, I will never do business with that group of people again or those types of people again. And very often inner vows are spoken out by us, but in the context of bitter root judgments. So judgments and vows often work hand in hand. We make a judgment about a certain group of people, right? Or maybe certain authority figures or pastors that have hurt us. We make a judgment about them, a bitter root judgment. And stemming from that, there are many inner vows that we then uh, also make. Then the next thing to do is ask God to reveal his father heart to you. And this includes his love and his goodness. You see, when I have a revelation of his love, his grace, his goodness, I'm more likely to extend that to the people around me. Another thing to also do in the healing process is make a list of all the lies that you've believed with regards to acceptance and rejection 
and then write down the truth next to them, what I call counter arguments. So you make a list of the misbeliefs, the lies. Okay, I'll never amount to anything. I'll always be a loner. Okay, I'll always remain in the friend zone. Maybe you've always been rejected by someone of the opposite sex and you really believe in God for marriage and you've made that inner vow. I'm the friend zone guy, right? Make a list of all those misbeliefs that you have and next to each one of them, write out the truth. What's the truth? What is God really saying to you? So that your life is not controlled by your misbeliefs, but by the truth that comes from heaven. The next thing to do in the healing process is pray that God helps you to see yourself, to see others, and to see how the world works aright. You see, often we believe lies about ourselves. I'll never amount to anything. People like me don't get chances. There's not going to be promotion for me. I'm a foreigner, right? Those are lies you're believing about yourself, right? Pray that God helps you to see things aright, right? How am I going to start seeing myself? What about others? What about others? How am I going to start seeing others? Lord, may I have a healthy view of other people as opposed to continuously saying they have an unfair advantage. They're the lucky ones, right? Uh, They're much better than me, right? Very often we exaggerate their benefits and we minimize ours. And then Ask God to help you to see the world aright. You know, some people have got this mindset of competition is bad. Someone always gets hurt. So you avoid any situation that involves any form of competition. Conflict is bad. Someone always gets hurt. And you keep avoiding situations where there might end up being conflict or rejection. It's important to ask God to help you to see yourself aright, to see others aright, and to see how the world works aright. These are strongholds deeply embedded in us and we need the Lord's truth to displace these arguments that have exalted themselves above the knowledge of Christ. Then the next thing to do in the healing process is proactively do good to those who have hurt you and walk in love and acceptance of others. And next time we're going to talk about accepting others. But I want to encourage you to be proactive about doing good to those that hurt you. That's what Jesus said. He says, you know what? Pray for those who hurt you. Do good to those that persecute you. You see, we often have this mindset of, hey, but I'm a really great Christian, you know. I didn't lash out back at that person who abused me. But Jesus goes the extra mile and he says, do good to those that persecute you. Okay. So those are some of the steps in the healing process. Then step number four, step number four, renew your mind with regards to God's love and acceptance. God's love and acceptance. You see, I said to you earlier on, yes, it's fine to cast out that spirit of rejection, all right? But it's important to mix that in with the discipleship process that says, let me renew my mind concerning this, all right? Let me renew my mind concerning this. So the demon might leave, but you have to replace it and displace it with something else. So we use scripture to do this. Use the scriptures that I'm going to highlight right now, and I'll share with you what these scriptures are. Right? Use these scriptures to reinforce God's acceptance of you. I am loved. 1 John 3, verse 3. I want to encourage you, go through these scriptures, read them, study them. I am loved. I am loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. And you start understanding that his love is mixed with delight. I'm accepted. Ephesians 1, 6. 
I'm accepted. He's accepted me. I'm included. I've cracked the nod. And his acceptance comes with delight. He rejoices over me with singing. It's so powerful when this becomes your default state. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. John 1 verse 12. Some friends of mine were ministering to me uh, just the other day and praying that God gives me a revelation of who I am as a son of God in order to receive certain big things that I'm believing for. Hey, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir. That's what that word speaks of, right? When the Bible in the Hebrew talks about son, it's the word hulos, which is an heir, an heir to a promise, an heir to inheritance. I'm Jesus's friend, John 15, verse 4. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends because I've shared with you all that the Father has given me. Isn't that powerful? All that the Father has made known to me, I've shared with you guys. He's very generous with what he knows. I'm a joint heir with Jesus, sharing his inheritance with him. Romans 8, 17. Again, very powerful. I can pray strong prayers in Jesus' name and Father God hears them because they're in the name of Jesus. I'm not coming to God in my own righteousness. God is looking and he's saying, where's my son? Where's my son? Father's looking, where's my son? Where's my son? I'm like, he's here because I'm one with him. I'm united with God and one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. Powerful thing to meditate on is your oneness with Christ. That our spirit is joined with Christ's spirit. We are one. I'm a temple of God. His spirit and his life lives in me. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Again, very powerful. It's amazing when you have this revelation, it affects your lifestyle. It affects what you do. It affects what you allow to get into your body. It affects what you allow your body to do. Very important. I'm a member of Christ's body. So I'm included. I'm a member of Christ's body. Right? And that's 1 Corinthians 12, 27. I'm redeemed and forgiven. Colossians 1, verse 14. How many of you are bound by the accuser of the brethren who keeps telling you day and night, you know, you've committed the unforgivable sin. Let me tell you something. If you're feeling bad about it, you haven't committed it, all right? If if there's that conviction about whatever you did, you haven't committed it, all right? So here's the thing. We need to embrace the fact that we're no longer condemned. We're free from condemnation. I'm a new creation because I'm in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5. 17. And let me tell you something, that word new is not just talking about something like a new model of the Toyota or a newer version of the Mercedes-Benz. No, it's talking about something that's never existed before. It's talking about when something is created, something that's never existed before, a new type of car that hovers over the, over the, the road, for example, that type of new, not just a new version. I'm a new creation because I am in Christ powerful. I'm chosen of God, holy and dear and dearly loved. God chose me. It's not like I had to twist his arm for him to accept me. 
I was already chosen. You were already chosen. Powerful. Colossians 3 verse 12. I'm established, anointed, and sealed by God. He's not about to unseal you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21. Just be washed by this. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. So if you are going out somewhere today and you're bound by this fear, will they accept me? Will they understand me? Will I be included? You know what? The born again spirit is not bound by that type of fear. And it's important for you to start living from your new creation, right? Your new creation and not from your old self. When you live in the flesh, you're bound by that type of fear. When you live from your spirit man, that new creature in Christ Jesus, you are so full of the love of God. The relentless love of Jesus is what you're conscious of. You see, when you become a believer, he changes your consciousness. And this is what we need to do. We need to renew our minds so that the thing that dominates our thought life is his acceptance, his delight, his inclusion. It's far bigger than rejection that comes from people. And you see, a lot of Christians don't want to do the work of renewing the mind. They just want, Pastor, cast out the spirit of rejection from me. We can do that if you do have a spirit of rejection that affects you. We can do that. But you also need to do the work of renewing your mind. I have direct access to God. That's Ephesians 2, 18. Direct access. I don't have to go through anyone. Via, via, via. Okay. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. That's Ephesians 2, verse 6. I've been exceedingly, I've, I've been given exceedingly great and precious promises by God, by which I share his nature. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. That's one of my favorite scriptures, that it's through these great and precious promises that we are partakers of the divine nature. Whew, that is powerful. You can spend the whole day meditating on that. You've become a partaker of the divine nature. In other words, uh, part of who God is, part of his nature, his spirit, how he is wired, his reality, you are partaker of that and you can tap into that. We have the mind of Christ. <laughs> That's so powerful. I can always know the presence of God because he never leaves me. He never leaves me. In Hebrews 13 verse 5, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. These are promises we can embrace. And I want to pray for you right now that each of these steps becomes such a reality for you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what you are doing in our hearts and in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your kindness and your goodness. And we thank you for how you want to minister to your people even today. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, may you give us the grace to forgive those who've rejected us. Help us, Father God, to get into their world, to see what they went through in order for them to have done so. Father, we ask that you release them. They didn't know what they were doing for the most part. Release them. Have mercy on them, even as you've had mercy on us. So we forgive them for rejecting us in whatever way they rejected us. Father, we pray that you would give us the boldness to deal with demonic spirits that have affected us in terms of rejection. The lying spirits that have tried to influence our behavior and control us. 
Father, may you give us the strength to resist them and the strength and understanding of the authority we have in Christ Jesus. We choose, Lord God, to walk in that spiritual authority that you have given us. Lord, even as we go through these steps for healing of wounds, may you help us. Help us as we renounce the judgments that we've made against others. Help us as we deal, Lord God, with the inner vows that we have made. Expose them, Father God. Expose them. Help us as we displace these lies that we've believed with the truth that comes from your word. Help us, Lord, to see the world aright, to see others aright, and to see ourselves aright. And Father, as we go on this journey of mind renewal, may you help us to get rid of the stinking thinking that we've embraced so readily, that we've embraced as part of our personalities. Forgive us for doing so. We, tru- we truly, Lord, choose to embrace your truth and your word. May these scriptures come to life in us. We receive you, Jesus. And we thank you for what you did for us at Calvary. And we thank you, Father, for this new creation reality of self-acceptance that we can accept ourselves as you have accepted us. We thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day as you remember resurrection life that came from the cross.